0: Today is Friday, July 2nd, 2021. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius and power and magic in it. Goethe. You're listening to episode 249, Secrets of Aging Well with Martin Pisani.
1: too few, too many people rather, um, are not as active as they should be. And, you know, you can walk around and you can get up and even do a break, but the key thing about, uh, getting the benefits is getting the heart rate up a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, if you go for a very slow walk, it's better than sitting on the couch, but, um, you should do occasional fast walk. Um, There's another, uh, there's a a bunch of research about how a brisk 20-minute walk per day is about the best, most basic exercise you can do. And And I emphasize the word brisk because it gets the heart rate up.
0: This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tutor Alexander, and we are gonna go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Happy Friday for you, wherever you happen to be listening to this. Today, my guest is Martin Pizzani. He is founder and chairman of Active Brain and Body. He's also the author of The Secrets of Aging Well, Get Outside. It's a book about why hiking is the fountain of youth. He's been called a Swiss army knife of marketing and strategy expertise who, after decades of corporate leadership, CEO, chief marketing officer, and being a strategist with big corporations and ad agencies... He's now applying the skills honed across many industries and over 5 million air miles across seven continents as a serial entrepreneur. He's on a mission to re-engineer the fitness business as upstream preventative healthcare via his expertise in brain health and in so doing radically improve the trajectory of aging. His book, Secrets of Aging Well, Get Outside, Company, Active Brain and Body, and webinars, Talks. On longevity are expressions of this mission. If you want to check out Martin, go to www.getoutside.online. Excited to have Martin on the show today. We're going to be picking his brain about his journey as a serial entrepreneur, especially changing the world of fitness and what he's been doing lately with all the talks and coaching and consulting and all the things that he's doing that are so wonderful in the world of aging. We're also asking about what aging means to him. What is aging? How do you age well? Obviously, he wrote his book, Secrets of Aging Well. So we're going to check that out and see what lessons he's learned from this journey. We're just about to jump into this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, share, leave a review, whatever it is that you are inspired to do today if this episode really touches you. So let's do this. Episode 249, Secrets of Aging Well with Martin Pisani. All right, man, well hey, like I said, it's uh it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm super excited. I think we have a lot to talk about. So, thanks for being on the show.
1: My pleasure. I'm excited also. Thanks.
0: You know, we were <clears throat> we were talking about something off the air right before I, I we started this is that smoking or uh sitting is the the new smoking. That quote that you mentioned.
1: Yeah. And sitting is like, the smoking of this generation, which yeah. is, you know, to be avoided at all costs. Yeah.
0: And it's so crazy now. I think the, the stuff that we're going to talk about is so applicable to, you know, just, just every day, everybody, any age, everybody, everybody's, we were talking about how even just sitting down, like for, you know, extended periods of time, like five, six hours, which we all have had to kind of do more now, you know, with all this online work and, you know, COVID and everything. um, It's, it's just, there's so many unseen tolls on health, that are impossible to predict when you change something like that, you know, a drastic variable where we're not active anymore. And, you know, just sitting down, I mean, I, I was saying, I feel exhausted, <clears throat> excuse me. I feel exhausted after, you know, a seven hour day of <laughs> just sitting down <laughs> at the computer writing stuff. You know, it's just, it's crazy to me. You know, I, I've, i feel more exhausted than when I'm active and, and, you know, just doing stuff.
1: So. Well, you know, tutor, there's some really good research about how um, mental work, is physically exhausting and mm. because you know you really you're not consuming calories in the same way but the brain power required to do what we're doing right now constantly it's it, it requires a different kind of focus and it really stresses your brain much more than the typical let's walk around the office interact with people go outside yeah. it's it is trying on us and so that quote about sitting um not only is is the sitting deleterious to our health but the lack of human contact and the lack of variety and the lack of being outside all of that is contributing to a very weird period Um, you know thank goodness we're getting coming out of it now and people are starting to get more active but it's been it's been a very weird period unprecedented in terms of people being inside and inactive so we'll see
0: you know it's it's interesting too because we I think evolved for so many you know thousands of years whatever with with a particular way of using our brain right and you you mentioned touched on this a little bit and i want to kind of expand on it because i think it's really important and it's like you know these different things like interacting with people like sort of like social intelligence right and creative right. intelligence doing things with your hands um you know, whatever, going out in the freaking jungle or forest and looking for things, there's variety, there's constantly, you know, uh, systems of disorder that your brain, your creative brain kicks in, uh, where as opposed to, you know, we've created these sort of artificial square predictable environments, then we have to like force this analytical side of our brain, which we do have obviously for a reason, but I think we're forcing it, like you said, to to be used so much more than it's supposed to be used and it's just like i think that honestly right there is probably one of the biggest causes of stress and uh, you know anxiety and all these well, different physiological doubt. Problems. You,
1: know, you you said putting us in a little window or a little box it's not only the the, the small digital nature of it but it's the two dimensional nature of it that is that mm. creates a lot of stress you know our brains developed in a three dimensional blue and green environment And they work really well in that kind of an environment. When you put us in a two-dimensional, largely indoor colors, um, we feel constrained. And that Mm. causes stress. And frankly, uh, there's this whole school of thought right now about natural vision improvement that is going to, I think, explode post-pandemic. Because one of the things that happens when you just look at a two-dimensional screen all day is... The little muscles that control not only the movement, but the focusing of your eye start to get tense. And that causes stress. Mm. The tension that that causes is I, kind of the analogy I use is, you know, how you're on a plane for eight hours and then you stand up and your back and your legs are a little bit tight. That's happening to our eyes by spending eight hours a day on a two-dimensional screen. So one of the messages I always say in my webinars and in my book is you gotta not one of the reasons you get outside is so your exit, your your eye muscles are focusing off into infinity and they're seeing the blues and greens of a natural environment, which stimulate your brain. It makes you not only more creative. I mean, it's a whole bunch of people who kind of understand that, but it really triggers some very good things. In, in your brain. And the, the thought is the relaxing of those eye muscles and exercising them improves your eyesight without needing glasses. So right now what's happening wow. is we're all squinting a lot and, and our eyes are getting tense. Uh, this would be a good time to you know be in the eye care business because there's a lot of people in need right now. But one way you can lessen that effect is by getting outside, getting the blues and greens, and and even at the beach, defocusing to off to infinity is a very good thing for your eye muscles. And so, uh, yeah, there's some unprecedented things happening right now. That's with really bodies.
0: interesting with the depth perception. I never even thought about that, but that's yeah. that's so important because it's uh, it's true. I mean, we kind of evolved in that 3D environment, and so the the eyes are used to sort of this. Um, I guess space, right? I mean, that's really what it is, just space. And we
1: we evolved that way. In fact, we evolved as hunters and gatherers who move our bodies through a three-dimensional environment in order to survive. And mm. when we're still those same bodies, but you know, we've now technology has taken us to this place that is unnatural for our physiology. And that's why I, I feel right now it's it's real important to offset this with. A couple of things. I think unplugging from time to time is really key because it's really easy to get lured into a 24-7 world of digital communications um, through not only work, but through fun and pleasure and hobbies and whatever. You're constantly on a screen. But unplugging is key. But getting outside right now and getting exercise, um, getting the heart rate up and looking around in a natural environment. And kind of, I, I didn't really plan it this way, but that was the impetus for writing my book about hiking, uh, being mm. the f- kind of fitness you can't get in the gym is because I, I had this certain knowledge that um, we evolved a certain way. And by changing the nature of the way we live, we were uh, holding ourselves back physically. And, and, and I think, and cognitively as well, you know, you would think, Digital would help you cognitively, but surprisingly, exercise and being outside is a real um, uh, cognitive performance enhancer. You think better that way, too.
0: Yeah, and it's, I find, I mean, every time, that's actually one of the things that I've always talked about in practically everything is that going outside is one of my tried and true, (laughs) you know, sanity methods. Like literally right before I jumped on the interview with you. I went for a walk around my neighborhood as I have a really beautiful neighborhood, just, just like a quick little 10 minute walk, just to kind of um, switch gears. You know, I, I don't know. I'm sure you can relate to this, but it's like when you sit down and you start doing some sort of work on the computer, especially, I mean, back to the point with the eye muscles, I mean, I find, that when I'm in nature, I don't tend to bounce around my eyes like crazy. You know what I mean? But right. if you're on a freaking spreadsheet to organize all your information, you're like, okay, let me find this little point And then let me find that. I don't think our eyes are evolved for that kind of uh, constant stress, but yeah, I mean, just to switch the, the mode. I mean, I find literally, like I do so many things for my health, but if I sit down for, I mean, I think four hours is my max, like to be nonstop at the computer doing like analytical work. And after that, I mean, I find like my, I'm like shaking. Like I find like I'm just so. I don't know. It feels like I just got in a fight. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you
1: have to, you have to break it up. I, it, um, yeah, I, my tolerance for sitting in a chair looking at a screen is a lot less than four hours these days. I've had some days where it's been six or seven straight hours. and yeah and you really feel you can feel it you're you know there's a there's kind of a fog that descends on your brain you've done yeah. that it, the only thing that alleviates it is getting outside even sleep doesn't work as well as getting outside and and offsetting that with it with an outdoor experience and you know it's not only the sights and the two-dimensional thing that you're or the three dimensional experience it's even the sounds of outside or yeah vast. Um, they're soothing to your brain you know wind in the trees bird song
0: yeah,
1: um, uh, rain. ambient
0: noise, right? It's like the white noise, basically.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. And, you know, when we're in, in our digital universe, how many times a day are you thinking of something and you get a text and it beeps and then you get an email or, and then you get a phone call? And, you're, mm. you know, it's just we are I, I don't think we we've kind of gotten this way over the last 10 years more so, but the amount of times we get interrupted, our trains of thought get interrupted. It's off the charts. It's possibly thousands of times a day. So it's no wonder our attention span isn't what it should be these days.
0: You know, and it's, what's coming to me now too is also the impact on our spiritual growth too, as emotional, spiritual beings. You know, I, I can tell you that probably, you know, and you can relate to this too, you know, we've all tried to improve ourselves as much as possible, read books, go to events, whatever, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But I can tell you honestly that some of my biggest, um, I guess, realizations or, you know, self discoveries have been literally just going outside, maybe taking a walk at night, having a chance to talk to myself to, to kind of just let things out of my brain and let new things in, get those downloads, whatever. Even if it's just sitting at the jacuzzi, in a nice outside outdoor setting, listening to the the trees kind of being uh, you know, blown with the wind. I mean, those moments are so valuable. And I think that we have kind of disconnected from our own selves too, because uh that time when you spend outside, it doesn't just de-stress you, but it also gives you a chance to download some new information, you know, whatever it happens to be, whether it's a situation that you're dealing with or, you know, a creative project you're trying to find a clarity on, whatever, you know. I find that that is really helpful to go outside and to just kind of clear the mind, you know, go out, go out for a bike ride or go for a walk or something for a hike for like an hour or two. And man, and like you come back, you're like, okay, I know what I need to do now. I, critical. I it out.
1: It's yeah. critical. Yeah. And I, you know, they, for how many decades have we've been talking about ways to avoid burnout, but that's really what this is about is, is offsetting it. And now burnout is, is, is an epidemic at epidemic proportions because yeah. of, the digital technology that we've gotten ourselves into uh, needs to be offset. You know, there's. No, I don't think our brains are ever going to evolve to be completely digital until we're computers. <laughs>
0: so I don't know. Hopefully never. Hopefully that never happens.
1: I know our phys- our physiology needs, need, I mean, that's what we are. I mean, we're not going to, and you know what, we're not going to ever go back to being uncivilized, primitive uh society, right? So um so you have to learn to manage it. And that's the key thing is you have to you have to know to unplug. You have to limit the amount of time you're spending in digital space and you have to offset it with exercise and getting outside. It's the only way to get through it.
0: How do you um I guess how I ask this question, but how have you found it effective to create breaks throughout your day? Because for me that was a big turning point and lesson. It took me many years, but to get to the point where I'm like, okay, even when I'm scheduling appointments to like in my mind account for sort of the, you know, downtime or like a break or whatever else, having those scheduled breaks, because especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're hardworking, you know, type A type person, achievement oriented, I think it's so easy for the The mind is very much in control in those, in those situations. You know, we have strong minds that are very analytical. And so obviously the, there's a purpose to that, that there's a benefit, but at the same time, it comes with a cost that you can get very derailed very easily. Like you just sit at a problem, and you're like, right, 12 hours later, no eating, no no taking walks, nothing, you know? And so uh, for me, that was a big lesson is, is like, okay, I need to learn to say no, say no to work, say no to extra, you know, whatever I'm doing that day and just really honor my off time. So I'm curious from your perspective, um, you know, how has that journey been for you? What lessons have you learned about incorporating that into your life?
1: Yeah, you know, the first time I encountered that concept, um, I was a big fan of Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. When that came out, I want to say 1990, it really rocked my world because that was the height of my corporate ladder period where I was, you know, trying to get promoted all the time and in a big corporation. And and what you wind up doing is working 60, 70 hours a week. And and then I read Stephen Covey. And uh, in that book, he has the concept called Sharpen the Saw and and basically what that means is you ha- you can't be sawing all the time. Yeah. Eventually the blade gets dull, right? So what you need to do is you need to sharpen the saw. And, to, and that's that's when I first woke up to the concept of you just can't work unlimited hours. You can't always say I'm going to work harder and longer. You have to work smarter, better, and more efficiently, and that requires the discipline to force yourself to take breaks. And i i started pursuing that in the mid 90s and i've i've gotten really good at it to the point where you know i you know now as an entrepreneur i can kind of make my own hours but um because i'm not on the corporate ladder anymore but um even you know sometimes as an entrepreneur you never run out of hours and you never run out oh, of work yeah. to do you know you're always behind the, <laughs> behind the curve but i as I as i a as i've aged i've gotten much better at forcing myself to be disciplined and hmm. And for me, it's always been some form of fitness. And my favorite form of that is hiking. So, I, you know, I hike as often as I can. I live in a place that's close to the woods. So, you know, two or three times a week, I do a decent hike. And then a couple times a month, I do a serious overnight hike somewhere in northern New England. So, um, but I've gotten good at that. And um, but, I, you know, you have to find your own activity that keeps you that engaged and for me you know it's hiking for some for others it could be uh, you know it could easily be tennis it could be going for a walk in the neighborhood it doesn't take that much time if you're disciplined and like you said even a 10 20 minute break walking around the neighborhood walk around the block it's a start it gets you away from the screen it clears your mind it's a little bit of sharpening the saw but it's a big concept sharpening the saw
0: yeah, I know it's it's those simple things that are done every day, right? I mean, I've I've been so, I've always been so in love with the simple things that are seemingly simple, but it's really a practice, right? I mean, it's really about doing it every day, uh, sharpening the saw. Everybody, I think, can understand that, but implementing it into your day, day after day, and rem- reminding yourself to be proactive, um, I think that's where the challenge is. It's the practice. Most people get lost in in the momentary things that happen. You get a new Piece of work, and okay. Instead of respecting your routine, you're like, all right. Let me just grind through this instead of like, okay. Let me, you know, doesn't matter. Let me just keep going and control my emotions. So it's interesting. You mentioned something or a word that I want to touch on, which I like, which is discipline. <laughs> so I'm curious, what does discipline mean to you, and and how do you develop it?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm kind of a goal goal oriented person, and um, so if you have goals and you and you can you figure out a path to achieve those goals. It requires you to constantly ask yourself daily, am I on, am I on path? Am I, am I, am I wasting my time? Um, am I, am I taking steps in the right direction? And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an exercise in, I I suppose, self-awareness and knowing the path you're on and knowing how to get there and making progress towards it. Um, I guess it, it also comes from uh, knowing that you're in control of the outcome. I mean, um, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, you the, that old analogy of pushing the rock uphill and once you stop, it rolls down. Yeah. Uh, that's being an entrepreneur. You know, if you, if you're not pushing that rock, it's not going to go uphill In a big corporation, someone else will help. And, you know, there's yeah. lots <laughs> of people to help push when you're an entrepreneur, you learn very quickly that if you're not doing the pushing, it's not going anywhere. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, might, it, so, might <laughs> yeah, it might roll down
1: too. And that's where the discipline comes from because you don't want to start over, right? You don't want to waste your time. So yeah. discipline comes from how, you know, learning how you spend your time and making it productive and effective. Um, now, you know, again, I'm not saying you have to be, you know, uh, manic about it or, you know, um, insane about it because again, taking breaks is important, but, you know, um, you've got to balance the, the discipline of making progress towards a goal with understanding that you need to take a break and sharpen the saw from time to time, and I, I guess it's a hard thing to do. You know, I'm, I'm I just turned sixty-five, so it's kind of innate. Oh,
0: congratulations, man!
1: Thank you. It's it's innate um, to me now because I've been practicing it since I was in my mid-thirties. Uh, yeah. You know, and um, so, um, but you got to learn it. You know, and some people are more disciplined than others, and uh, you've got to uh, you got to keep moving, keep teaching yourself, learning, learning from experience. And um, that's how you make progress. What do you What do you say to
0: people that say to themselves that they're just not disciplined?
1: Well, you know, I hate to say it. I think there are some people who they, they aren't, they really just aren't disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't wanna say they're hopeless, but there there's something, I don't know whether it's the way you're brought up or whether it's DNA, but um, some people just seem to be more easily dis, easily taught to be disciplined or innately disciplined than others. Um, it, it can require coaching. I think uh, I think you can coach somebody to be more disciplined. You can manage somebody. You know, at when at, you know, when I was a corporate guy, had a lot of people working for me, and um, you know, you would give people uh, a program to get them more disciplined if they were not. You would give them a lot of feedback. You would measure their performance, you would criticize or counsel on on lack of discipline or lack of performance. And uh, you know, there's, there's lots of courses on how to do it. There's lots of books on how to do it. But at the end, I think you got to combine the, the, it's a kind of a skill of leadership, I guess, is to get people to be more disciplined and to want to follow you to a certain place. Um, And, you know, frankly, some people aren't, made for that kind of uh, career or that kind of environment. And that's fine too, you know, um, just don't try to, you're never going to accomplish great things if you're not disciplined. So if your goal, if you have high goals, I think discipline is critical unless lightning strikes and you get very lucky, but I think it's critical. I think it's one of the, it's it look um, the, one of the success skills in life and and certainly in, in business and in trying to accomplish things is persistence. And and having the energy to be persistent is is part of the discipline equation. I think uh, you have to it, you get there's a lot of frustration and failure and and reversals and false starts, and so if you have a important a very important objective that you want to get to, you have to be disciplined enough. I, I think to. F- to be persistent, to keep heading in that direct, right direction, and truthfully, it doesn't matter how fast you go, as long as you're constantly making progress. That's that's the discipline I I like to to promote, and and, and that's kind of what I do too. I mean, it's it's not you know this is the old adage. It's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Mm. That's pretty true, and you you got to just have enough energy to keep moving ahead.
0: I love it, man. One hundred percent of all those things I I've said exactly the same thing, probably in slightly different words myself so many times, especially with the, uh, it's not speed, it's the direction, right? That's really what matters most because you could be going in the in the wrong direction very fast. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, you know. exactly.
1: I've seen that so many times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: When did you write your book, The Secrets to Aging Well?
1: Well, I first got the idea for it a couple of years ago. I have a, a startup that's in the fitness space. It's focused Mm -hmm. on brain health. And so the idea of creating brain health is is one of my missions. In fact, it is my mission right now. Um, But it had occurred to me that um, I've been hiking and climbing for a long time, 50 years.
0: Wow. And, um, you have like a million, what is it? A million steps or a hundred million steps? A hundred million uphill steps is what I care. A hundred million. Think. Jesus Christ. That's insane. And I know. Isn't <laughs>
1: it crazy when you do the math?
0: Yeah. When you add uh, it all up, that's crazy. And Actually,
1: when you divide it by a person who's 65 years old, it's about 6,000 steps a day. And that's pretty mediocre. according wow, to
0: Wow. That's interesting. So it,
1: but it adds up and a lot of it is uphill because I've been on all seven continents climbing and hiking. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the idea came to me. It's kind of crazy. When I was about thirty-five, I was training to climb a bigger mountain. I think it's Mount Rainier, and I climbed Mount Washington in New Hampshire a lot. It's a great training ground, and so I was going down from one of my uh, hikes of Mount Washington, and I was at my peak. You know, thirty-five, you're cocky, you're fit, and you think you're really super fit. Yeah. And um, so I noticed off in the distance. I'm going down coming up is a person running uphill. And this is before there was a thing called trail running. It's just a guy running uphill on a mountain. Wow. And um, as he got closer to me, I saw that. Uh, and I found out after that, he was 75 years old running. What? uphill. <laughs> no, 75. Wow. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And he stopped right in front of me. And he said, I said to him, um, h- how are you doing this? Because I had never seen a person that age, that. fit.' Wow. That's incredible. He said, he said, uh, well, I live about two miles from the trailhead and I've been doing this two or three times a week since I was your age. Wow. And he went, see yeah, And he went running up to the top. I mean, like I could not have keep up with this 75 year old guy in a million wow.
0: years. Wow, that's awesome. And it
1: triggered in my head. I, it, it started the, the thought process that led to this book, which is Hiking is the Fountain of Youth. And uh, so that's the message behind my book secrets of aging. Well, and it's about fitness and exercise and what it does for you, especially if you, you like the nature of hiking, you know, and what we talked about in terms of getting your eyes exercised, all that works when you're outdoors and hiking. Yeah. Uh, Plus you get the elevated heart rate, which is the key thing to uh, to improve fitness and brain health is getting your heart rate up. Um, And then, the high intensity nature of up and down and up and down heart rate that helps a great deal too. But strangely enough, what I discovered as I was researching the science behind why I thought it was the fountain of youth, there's a thing called dual tasking that makes uh, brain health that, that enhances brain health. And that means basically challenging your brain and your body together, Mm. um, creating cognitive load while you're creating physical load. Mm. And It hit me that hiking does that because um, when you're on uneven terrain going uphill, not only is your heart rate elevated, but every single step you take requires your eyes and your brain and your body to coordinate. How am I going to take this step without tripping or falling? And that recalculation over and over and over through uneven terrain is an incredible dual tasking project. It, it it uses your brain to keep your balance through space on uneven terrain. And as I dug into the science of that, it, it really was remarkable to me how good um, hiking is. I mean, you know, walking is great and everybody knows that. And walking on a treadmill is pretty good because you get your heart rate up. But when every step you take either in your daily life or on a treadmill is predictable, you don't have to worry about every step. Yeah. You know, you're not really using your brain. You can tune out on a treadmill and watch news, watch a television show, and you're not worried about falling. When you add it to an uneven outdoor environment, the the potential for falling and then getting hurt forces the the brain to really work hard to keep going, and that's dual-tasking. And that that whole idea, the premise, is what I why I wrote the book, is because all this time I was – exercising my brain. I thought I was just being cool and exercising my body, but Mm. it was doing great things. And then as I started doing anecdotal research, I interviewed a hundred people over age 65 who were hikers. Wow! And they all report just remarkable. They they all look at least 10 years younger than they are. And they all feel 10 years younger than they are. And they all report that not only uh, they're sharp as can be at some in their mid 80s because they've spent their their uh the last 20 30 years hiking and uh, uh so anyway i put all that into the book
0: that's so interesting man i mean it's uh i can relate to so much of that too i mean with my background in in ballroom dancing um i'm sure you're probably familiar cuz you've studied a lot into the dual task is it called dual dual tasking it's called dual tasking and I gotta tell you tutor you're going in a direction that I
1: love. My we have a chief science officer in our company and she just did some research and she decided that we, we're building out a fitness center in in Cincinnati right now. We are going to offer dance
0: class because oh, dancing
1: good. is one of the best dual tasking things you can do.
0: Oh it is Absolutely I'll tell you right I mean I I mean in my industry, you know, you'd have um mostly women obviously you know there's some men too but a lot of women that come in for lessons and I mean, I had a student who was, I think, 80 when I did a tango performance with her. And she was like, you know, splitting her legs and, you know, doing all these different things. And I would even go teach at the senior center. Here in Arizona, there's a, a lot of senior centers. Obviously, it's a senior capital of the world, actually. Apparently, Sun City is. And I would go go out dancing. You know, they would hire me to go, go out dancing or do some lessons over there and stuff. And <clears throat> this was a few years ago. But I can tell you that the ladies who were dancing and doing... I was dancing with them. They were like 90 years old and they were just sharp as a tack. They were lean, you know, they were, you know, just very cognizant. It was, it was really refreshing at the same time too. I saw, unfortunately, a lot of the men, because I think the the men had almost like a stigma of kind of dancing a little bit, you know, the, at least the ones that, that were, you know, the were the ones that were dancing were fine, but the ones that weren't, Man, I'll tell you, they just, the, the eyes glaze over <laughs> around 70 years old. You know, I mean, it's, it's sad. You know, it's sad to me. So, definitely, I think dancing is one of the best things because you're coordinating your mind and body. You're thinking about choreography. You're listening to the music. Like you said, there's always, you have to be present. You, you can't check out. You're constantly using your body and your mind. And I think anything uh, that utilizes that, I mean, I love rock climbing too. I don't know if you've got, you've ever done some rock climbing, oh, yeah. but. I love rock climbing. I haven't done it in a while though, but all those sports are so, but that's how we evolved though, right? I mean, ultimately, if you think about it, it's like, I was talking to somebody about this actually a couple months ago. Uh, I forget who it is now off the top of my head, but we were talking about fitness and how, I mean, gyms didn't exist, you know, until like what, 80 years ago or something. You know, the idea that you have to go somewhere and sort of do this isolated movement And then get your calories. I mean, it's just totally analytical. I mean, people were doing irregular activities that required that dual tasking all the time. I mean, working on the farm, lifting, you know, whatever carrots out of the ground, you're putting fertilizer in the truck. I mean, you're constantly doing something irregular that involves your mind and your body. And I think that's how we grew up, you know, so to speak. So,
1: well, I've done this a few times just to make the point. But, you know, one of the best things you can do, most incredible exercises you can do is chopping wood. So oh really? think about it's unbelievable. Try it. Go try it. I, I'm telling you. I've never
0: chopped wood. Yeah. I'm sure it's a workout. It'll kill you.
1: I, I have a lot of trees around here and I have a big wood pile and, you know, for, you know, I usually get someone to come and split it, but the few times I've in the last year tried to chop it, it is the most tiring, exhausting workout you can imagine.
0: Wow. And
1: so, yeah, you, before gyms, we actually had to do that stuff, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And we still have those bodies and we, and we've got to replicate them but uh, we've got to replicate the, our, our, our primal, primitive nature. And uh, there's a couple of good books written on that. There's, a, there's one called Go Wild. It's mm. by a, a very smart doctor named Dr. John Rady, who's into the connection between brain and body. Uh, he's one of the first to really write extensively about that. And the book Go Wild is, is basically about that, how we have lost touch with our primitive selves And um, by through exercise and being outdoors and and other activities, you can get more in touch with that again.
0: And it's all for the good. What do you think some of the biggest agers are? I mean, we talked a lot about, I guess, sitting down, obviously that's, that's just a big one, but uh, have you found anything else that's just, like in general, you know, a big ager that people should try to avoid or or the the second,
1: it's related to sitting. It's inactivity. It's not being Mm -hmm. active enough and not getting your heart rate up. I mean, so few few people uh, too few, too many people rather um, are not as active as they should be. And you know, you can walk around and you can get up and even do a break. But the key thing about uh, getting the benefits is getting the heart rate up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, if you go for a very slow walk, it's better than sitting on the couch. But um, you should do occasional fast walk. Um, there's another, uh, there's a, there's a bunch of research about how a brisk 20 minute walk per day is about the best, most basic exercise you can do. And the, and I emphasize the word brisk because it gets the heart rate up mm. and that's the key thing. Um, but it's that intensity, it, right? Jobs I mean... require us to sit at, sit at our desks and, and it, it's just modern world occupations and the way we live, um, kind of contribute to our inactivity. And so we have to work harder to offset that.
0: And I think it's also important people understand the difference between cardio and like walking on a treadmill, obviously you can raise your heart rate to like 120 or something. But I think what you mentioned, which was really important is that high intensity and interval type training where there's again, that irregularity, and that really develops the heart in the proper way and, and everything else.
1: It does. Uh, the, the ups and downs of heart rate are really it's that's the real exercise for your heart muscle. Yeah. And the difference between your resting heart rate and your maximum heart rate is an important measure. The bigger that gap, the healthier your heart muscle, a narrow gap is, is a risk. So, you know, if you're super fit, your resting heart rate is 50. Uh, and you may be able, if you're young to get your heart rate up to 180. So that that gap, uh, is, is is a huge num is a huge gap right but if you're unfit and overweight and getting older your resting heart rate may be 75 and your max heart rate may be 25 wow. 125. so that 50 point variation that's a very narrow range that puts you at risk your heart muscle isn't strong enough or flexible enough to expand and so the one of the key measures is is your heart rate variability and that's that's a key measure of fitness and, and heart strength.
0: What do you think are some of the limiting beliefs people have with aging as they grow older?
1: You know, it's it's a fascinating topic. Um, I I go into that extensively in my book and I compare it generation to generation. You know, um, my parents, um, and I, you know, this is where you weren't. They wanted to retire at age 63 and they did. And they moved to Florida and they became very inactive. And I think there was a mentality in my parents' generation. You know, it's the, I guess it's the, pre-baby boomer generation, you know, they were alive for World War II. And um, the thought was, I better, I need to retire as early as possible because my lifespan is maybe going to be 68, in which Mm. case I want some downtime to enjoy the fruits of my labors. And I want to be able to relax towards the end of my life. Well, I've got to tell you, that mentality, um, I think, has contributed to more bad health and early death than in the last generation, because people go into aging thinking they're, they're going <laughs> to slow down, so therefore they have to slow down, but it's the reverse. By thinking you're going to slow down, you slow yourself down. If yeah. you stay active, you live longer, you live healthier, you live better. The moment you start thinking, I'm I'm fading, you actually do start to fade. So it's it's kind of up here it's 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 a mentality towards towards aging. And right now there's a group we call active agers who are defying aging by staying active. And that's sort of one of the reasons I wrote the book as well is basically get up start moving go hiking it's the easiest thing you can do. Go for a hike you will age better. And by the way, I have a chapter on this. I think we retire too young. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of productivity left in people in their 60s and their 70s. And they've been programmed to think, oh, and I'm 65, I've got to retire. You know, So technically, I'm retirement age as of last week, I have no plans to retire, I plan on working at least 10 or 15 more years before I even think about retiring. Because not only do I don't want to stay active, but I want to be productive, I want to use my experience, I just don't yeah. want it to go poof. And I, 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 we're seeing more and more of that. And plus, our lifespans have increased, even without the focus on exercise, the lifespan over the last 100 years has gone from age 45 to about age 80. And so if we retire at 65, what are you gonna do with those 15 or 20 years? <laughs> Sit on the, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe you can play golf. I don't, I don't think that's, that's a good that's use sad. of your time. You know, so I personally, I would say, let's change the retirement age to 75 and and keep working because it'll keep you healthier, it'll keep you alive. You know, it'll keep you cognitively sharp.
0: Yeah, it's that's one of the things that I feel is is one of the biggest shames of our society. You know, it's it's interesting because if you look at I would guess whatever, let's say a tribal society or ancient times, whatever you're looking at, but when we didn't have longer lives, there were very clear rites of passage between ages, right? You had sort of a child, then you okay, now you're a man or a woman whatever at a certain age. And then you're an elder, you know, and then you had just these distinctive periods of time and they each had purpose. There's no such thing as like, okay, you're you're just gonna hang out in your tent and not do anything all day, you know. It doesn't matter what age you are, you always had a a role in society. And I think as as we've extended our lives and lifespans, you get a lot of these sort of weird gray areas like, you know, you're a teenager and you're kind of just this adolescent for like 15 years doing nothing, you know, and then you kind of figure it out a little bit in your thirties and then you retire at 65 and then, okay, now you're living for another 20 years again, doing nothing and just kind of feeling, you know, so it's just, it's a shame to me because the older you get, you get experience, which is the most costly thing there is. That is, the, you know, it costs you your time. It costs you your failure. Uh, you know, it costs you a lot of things that you have to pay in time. And that is the, the, the most valuable thing is experience and wisdom. And so it's a shame that a lot of these uh, people that, you know, are, are very wise and experienced in their careers. And then it's like, okay, that's at the, the moment when you should be the most productive, in my opinion, not obviously working yourself to death physically, but, you know, contributing to society through what you know, and and also being healthy. And I think health plays a big part in that because we're not, you know, we're not taking care of ourselves as well as we should be. So then those years when we could be giving back the most, all those hard won life lessons, you know, in life, it's just like, that's when, counts and then you know most people are unhealthy or you know they're dealing with medical bills or they're whatever they're retired and checked out i mean that that's a shame to me you know that's just that's a shame so
1: yeah um one of the distressing things i've seen in the corporate world is the the purging of people above 60.
0: yeah Um, yeah
1: because just as you were saying um you're wiser and you have the benefit of having all that perspective and all that experience and it doesn't necessarily mean Uh, the CEO, most big corporations have purged middle management where a lot of the institutional learning was and where most of the people above 50 or 60 reside and that's gone. So now you have a layer of C-level senior managers and a bunch of people under 40. There's a big gap there, not to be negative about people under 40, but they just don't have the experience that the years bring. And so it's been distressing to see all the conversation about, you know, the average age of the Silicon Valley companies is under 30. Wow. Um, I worked on Madison Avenue for a long time, and uh, there's currently a lot of, um, you know, ageism there. And most companies have gotten rid of anybody above 50 that they think of themselves as youthful businesses. But what they're giving up. And even in the corporate world that's happening, what they're giving up is the wisdom that comes from solving problems. And you see patterns when you have that much more experience, you start to you've you've been there and done it. But you can see problems more clearly with experience and you're not as easily stressed or thrown off task when you're when you're older. And so, um, yeah, it's distressing to see this extreme emphasis on youth. In, in Silicon Valley, big corporations and on Madison Avenue, I, I think it's a mistake.
0: I agree, man. I mean, I'm 100. You know, it's uh, you know my parents are both still alive, but they're they're growing older, and you know my um, my dad, for example, he he's almost about ready to retire, and he uh, he was one of the top mechanics in all of Acura for the United States, one of the top three. But you know, his ligaments are. <laughs> they're being worn away, you know, he can't, he can't work anymore physically. He can't work, but he has so much knowledge and experience. I mean, the guy can literally look at a car and tell you, you know, in a, in a snap of a finger what's wrong with it. You know, whereas somebody my age at least, or even younger would take hours and hours to figure it out, you know? So it's just uh
1: yeah. I mean, just, you know, if you've got a grueling career, yeah, I, I get stopping it at 65 or 60, but that doesn't mean stopping everything. Evolve yeah. to something else. I, exactly. I don't think there's there's not enough places to go to retrain yourself or to relearn what's the next phase. I'm really fascinated by this thing going on. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Modern Elder Academy. Mm, no. and a, 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 a really interesting entrepreneur named Chip Conley has... Uh, started this thing and it's a become a retreat and i think it's going to be very successful for people in their 60s to go back and learn how to live the rest of their lives whether it's retraining reprogramming i think it's a big idea um what are they um, training
0: on exactly
1: you know it looks to be a pretty broad curriculum i mean i think the first location was in baja mexico and i think they're doing something now somewhere in maybe it's arizona i don't know Mm. um but it's Um, it's I think they're two week retreats where you go back and you see a variety of lectures on on how to better age and how to take care of yourself and how to stay sharp, how to be modern
0: elder academy. That's cool. Yeah, it's real interesting. That's really cool.
1: It is really interesting. Yeah.
0: Wow. What have been your challenges with growing older and aging? You know, what have been some of the things that you've overcome and whether they're limiting beliefs or just different physical challenges, if you want to share?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I, I it takes take us a little longer to uh, recover from injuries. You get injured hiking, twisted ankle, back injury here and there. So it takes a little longer, but um, I, I have learned it, it's interesting and it's it's all good. It's up to me. Um, I I can control it. It's not inevitable. Yeah. And the more I train, the more active I am, the more I hike, the better I feel. The my body responds. Um, maybe not as quick as when I was thirty. But um, it, it it really comes down to it, it's my, it's me, I, it's up to me and, and it's not going to happen. It's not in, inevitable aging. I can control the way I age. And if I have the motivation and the discipline to keep training, and to stay active, I'll be the benefit of that. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a version of discipline, but um yeah. The challenges, I mean, they're there, but there's nothing insurmountable at this point. And, you know, fortunately I have pretty good health. Um, I I'm kind of proud of the fact that after those hundred million steps, I have original, <laughs> That's a lot knees, of miles, man, <laughs> uh, original knees and original hips. And, wow, uh, nice. so, uh, I'm counting myself. You very lucky.
0: Any supplements or anything? No, I, t- I take absolutely
1: your... nothing. I, I do take some collagen protein here and there to keep the, the joints going, but, yeah. um, I, I'm, you know, I don't take blood pressure medicine. I've, I'm on nothing. I'm totally natural, and I, I nice. absolutely am certain it's a result of hiking and fitness.
0: That's great, man. What do you want to be remembered for? Yeah,
1: you know, that is one of the reasons that I'm doing this uh, this fitness venture right now. It's because I've been pretty eclectic in my career, a bunch of different categories, yeah. and you know, reasonably successful. And I'm proud of that, going up the career ladder and all that stuff, but it's not what I would call a legacy. It's yeah. a legacy, uh, yeah, a business guy, this company we're creating activate brain and body is what I consider. I want to be my legacy and I hope it works out that we're on a mission and that mission is to bring, um, better health. We calling it, um, on a mission to create upstream to turn fitness into upstream preventive health care hmm. focused on the above age 50 audience and hopefully will grow enough to have a population level impact where we can keep people healthier happier and and uh, more active longer and and let them live a, uh, you know a more a better life at at, at senior ages and so far you know, our, our research and our trial programs have us very, very excited about that. And we've created a team of people who share that mission. We want to reinvent fitness as upstream preventive healthcare. And in the process, that will just allow a lot of people to live happier, healthier, longer lives. That would be a very worthy legacy. And you know, I'm I'm right now preparing to spend the next 10 years making sure that comes
0: to life. So that's yeah, amazing. I'm on a
1: mission and every and we're very excited. We've got a great team of people doing this. And um, I think that's worthy, you know.
0: No, I I completely agree. I mean, that's, what's that Japanese, there's a Japanese saying, I think, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's like, it's noble for a man to grow a tree. I'm totally butchering it, but it's like to grow a tree that you won't see, you know, um, whatever it, it growing into a forest or something like this It's basically like to plant something that, you know, you're not going to live to see complete. Obviously it's just to have that legacy and leave it behind is so valuable. So yeah and that,
1: and that's and that's exactly what I'm after here. It's 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 a very uh, and having worked in traditional fitness companies um I discovered that they don't share that kind of belief. They're 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 not uh, mission-driven companies. They're just yeah. you know and and so we're trying to change the entire ethos of the category to be about living longer, being healthier, getting real measurable impact, changing lives on a, on a broad scale. And uh, I'd be real happy with that.
0: Now, is this going to be, are you guys going to have like physical gyms, locations, events? Oh, yeah. nice. Okay.
1: We are, we actually are a year behind schedule because of COVID. Um, we would right, have opened right. open long ago, but um, we've been putting this together for a long time. And now our plan is to have our first location in suburban Cincinnati in the fall. Oh, Cool. Uh, and, uh, and we're rapid. We're going to rapidly scale from there. We'll have probably have a second location about three months after that. And then uh, hopefully we'll scale even faster. Our whole team. You
0: guys got to come to Arizona, man. You're going to have a huge market here.
1: You know, Tudor, it's funny. Um, we considered that as our first location. And it mm. won't being Cincinnati because most of our team is accessible and lives in Cincinnati. Gotcha. But Phoenix is high on the list. And, yeah, yeah we, we identified it demographically and just psychographically as being one of the perfect markets.
0: You guys would be super successful here, especially in sun city. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. Cool. What do you think about this new generation of kids growing up? You know, when I was a kid, we, we played in tree houses. I mean, I still have memories of that. (laughs) I just, I just actually found a picture when I was 10 years old of some friends of mine, and we were just in the park and stuff. And those were like just every day for me. And, Uh, you know, I'm looking at some of these kids, actually, most of them really, they're all kind of growing up with an iPad in front of their face or, you know, even these little toddlers, you see them already on the screens. It's just so sad to me. It's just profoundly sad because they don't, they're not learning the value of, of that outside play, you know, and, and I'm really curious what your perspective is about that and how parents can maybe, um, encourage their kids because, you know, ultimately, they're starting to age faster, as far as I'm concerned, if, if they're doing that, you know, from and that's a shame to you know, kids, your youth should be when you are vibrant and sort of, you know, your healthiest, obviously, and to start that early with these uh, types of things. I don't know if it's a it's a good thing. So I don't know what your perspective on that is and how parents can help their kids. Yeah, we spend a that. lot
1: of time in my circle of fitness and family and friends talking about that. In fact, it's kind of funny. I'm talking about technology. I was on a, in a fit, one of our Facebook chat rooms and we were talking about that recently. How, um, you know, when we were kids, uh, we rode bikes without helmets, we climbed trees, we were outside all day playing yeah. tag and running in the woods yeah, and walking to school. <laughs> and, and everything that is, you know, we, I mean, there was even all the playground toys were dangerous. I mean, metals, yeah. metal swings and slides. Rusty, rusty
0: I, metal swings. Yeah. <laughs>
1: rusty. And, 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 and yeah, I, you know, I get safety, you know, cause I, 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 my kids, you know, were, grew up in kind of the transition period between my generation and now this uber safe world where, you know, this, I don't even think swings exist anymore and, and, and all those great toys and, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't wear bike helmets. Not you know, not that that was very smart. But yeah, there's something missing. And at least we were outside and active, and that's what it was. You were outside all day, active, yeah. running around, and you were not watching television. You were not playing a video game or with an iPad or texting your friend. And I, I fear um, it's sad to me also. I, I fear for that generation who does not grow up knowing about the outside. You know, it's kind of funny to me. I'm, I'm also a kind of an amateur astronomer. I find it fascinating that there is a whole group of kids who have never seen the real night sky. They don't know anything about the constellations or, or the solar system or the, or the basics. Mm. Of of looking up at the sky and seeing what it is. They didn't they've never seen the Milky Way. I know you just get a you know, a little bit outside of Phoenix, it gets dark fast, but yeah. there's a whole especially on the East Coast, the light pollution, not being able to understand the outside, being scared of the dark. Um, yeah, it's it's different. And as a parent, now I encourage my kids to my I'm real, one of the things I'm proudest of stuff is neither of them played video games oh, wow. and um, they were physical and outdoors. And um, you know, so um, that's the one thing I would say is uh, get, get get your kids outside get them find them an active find them a sport they can play find them an activity that keeps them moving and physical and challenges their brain i mean you know we talked about the dual tasking thing um and you mentioned a little bit about rock climbing one of the things i always liked about rock climbing was there's nothing that keeps you focused more than the the threat of getting hurt right (laughs) you know I mean, talk about a mindfulness exercise, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you mindfulness is about being present and understanding your body. Well, there's a few things that do it better than climbing and rock climbing in particular, because the downside is, well, you can really get hurt. Yeah. And that that survival thing, I think, is, is part of this get outside mentality, um, making your brain work harder. We don't, mm. all the risk is gone. Most of the risk is gone from childhood. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's gotta be a little riskier, a little more challenging, you know?
0: You know, the thing is we never got, I mean, I remember we would drink out of the hose, obviously. And yeah, just, yeah, there's another one, right? There's so many stupid things you look back on, you know, you're like, we never, I mean, I don't know. Nobody really got hurt or sick or I don't know. It, you didn't need that many seat belts in your life. You know, obviously it's just, uh, it was just a different time. I don't know. I know it was way, a but.
1: different time. And you know, I get the safety thing. There's a certain logic. Obviously insurance companies are calling the shots on some of that stuff yeah, and yeah. lawyers, but there's a certain element missing from the way kids grow up right now. And everyone's a little on the super safe, maybe scared side and yeah. a little risk. You know, I, my son, I took him rock climbing in Boulder, Colorado when he was seven, he climbed the flat irons and uh, and then nice. we went to Kilimanjaro when he was 12 Wow! And I was really young to get not only international experience, but high altitude and, and climbing experience. Yeah, And I, I think it made him a much better adult. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, he's, he's 38 now. And w- when he was uh, interviewing for jobs, that's the first thing people wanted to talk about were, the, were those experiences. Wow, I think it gave him a confidence and um, a perspective that you don't get unless you've taken some risks. Hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's, Important to get your to, you know, challenge your kids a little bit more than than right now, and certainly get them up and outside and active more.
0: Do you uh, did you go hiking with your kids? Oh yeah, absolutely,
1: you know? yeah, big big time, yeah. And, and I got it from my father. He he started mm. us
0: off, so uh, we keep
1: passing it down.
0: You know, I, I got gotta to start going hiking again, man. You you got yeah. me excited about hiking. I I want to start going well, again.
1: I'm going to send you my book when we're done.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'll get you out there. Anything coming up for you with, uh, act, is Active Brain and Body, right? That's the name? Yeah, we're well, on. we're
1: launching in, in uh, September in Cincinnati. Um, that's really cool. And um, since we've been talking about hiking and aging, uh, on June 14th, hopefully it won't rain, I am um, I'm doing my 50th anniversary climb of Mount Washington, which is the first real mountain I climbed with my father. 50 wow. years
0: ago that's so, um, cool. i'm
1: really looking forward to that and i'm starting to train for it right now so uh, that's that's what's on my calendar right now that's pretty exciting that's
0: really cool what are you most grateful for today
1: you know um i'm grateful for uh yeah, my health I, I i do again natural uh, all natural hips and uh, knees but i've really not been sick much in my entire life and i'm really grateful for that and i'm grateful for you know uh, a really uh, great group of uh, friends and family and colleagues that i work with i mean i i'm, I'm pretty content that uh, my world that i interact with on a daily basis is is positive and and disciplined and and, and aggressive and forward-looking and uh, yeah so um, and then i guess obviously I'm, I'm, you know i'm really proud of my kids so um, they both turned out really good
0: All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend Martin. You know, today we're living in such a unique time with aging. It's becoming uh, almost a thing of the past. You know, I'm really excited to see where it's going, especially somebody, if you're interested in biohacking like I am and all these types of things, you know, we are living in a time more than any other where we have control over aging. And to me, that's really exciting. But at the same time, um, it's a little scary, too, because if you think about it, it's also what do you do with that time? that's a big question. The other question is are you healthy during your later years? You know, you could live to be a 100, but you know, if the last 30 years of your life you're living in a wheelchair or you're you know, uh, incapacitated in some way, you know, that's also a big problem, you know, and you don't want that. So, ultimately, how can we live and age well? And also how do we find purpose and how do we stay motivated, stay inspired? through those years. It's such an interesting conversation. Very thankful to have Martin on the show. If you want to go check him out and some of those resources available, go to getoutside.online. So www.getoutside.online. You can get a little bit, learn a little bit more about Martin and see what's going on over there. And don't forget our awesome quote from the beginning, kind of leave us on a, on a great note here. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius and power and magic in it. Goethe. You know, I can relate to this quote a lot, and I'm sure you can too, because ultimately we all have a fear of starting, You know, especially something that we we feel we're not good at or we're new at it. And especially if you're a perfectionist, it's very hard for you to get going because you're waiting for all the things to align themselves. And I'm definitely there with you. Uh, But it's been a real practice in my life to remember that ultimately... You have to just start, you know, you have to start, allow your mind to be open so you can dream. That's the first step and really see those future pictures, see those goals, see those new heights that you want to go to, see that new income, see that new partner in your life, see that new goal, whatever it is to you. You have to be able to dream, you know, without dreaming, you you will just spin around at the bottom of the river like a rock. But the other part of that is, you know, allowing your heart to open too, and be open and courageous to taking action on those dreams and a lot of times we can be great at dreaming up something but it's a lot harder to take action on it right so wherever you happen to fall on that spectrum if you're a dreamer and I hear you because I'm a dreamer too I love to think of new ideas you know then taking action is the hard part you know if taking action is the easy part for you uh, but it's hard for you to see that future then you know what to do, you know, work on that part of it too. So hope this episode has contributed to your life today. Have a great, awesome weekend ahead, full of dreaming and taking action. Both are important, right? We'll see you guys on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. Thank you so much for being here as always. And I wish you well. I wish you an awesome rest of your day. Don't forget, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.